Welcome to PeopleTech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. I'm Mark Pfeffer. This edition is brought to you by Ultimate Software, a leading innovator in HR technology. Ultimate's dedicated to putting people first with cloud-based solutions designed to engage, motivate, and empower your workforce. Learn more at www.ultimatesoftware.com. Ultimate Software, people first. Today, I'm joined by John Sumser, Principal Analyst of HR Examiner and a widely followed observer of the HR tech industry. We're going to talk about his 2020 Index of Intelligent Tools and HR Technology, which he's titled The Birth of HR as a System Science. John, thanks for being here. Thanks, Mark. It's good to be here. Uh, Let's start with the notion of intelligent tools. What are they, and how are they different from, say, AI or machine learning or other things people think of as advanced? Well, so so I'm of the opinion that there isn't much in the way of AI out in the world just now. AI, for my money, is a general tool that approximates human intelligence. And what we've built um, and what's moving into the market right now are a series of things that are different from software that we've used before. And so, so I like to talk about them as intelligent tools. These are um, parts of your software deployment that will give you recommendations or probabilistic estimates of the likelihood of things happening. And it's easier to start to manage it if you start to understand that these are little bits of intelligence rather than one great big blob of what what's an example of an intelligent tool? Well, well, so there are there are tons of ways. There are about fifty different use cases that cross from recruiting to onboarding to training to workforce planning. And what they are, intelligent tools are all involve the processing of large quantities of data, um, and so you do that in recruiting as better matching of job requirements to resumes. You do that in onboarding as an ongoing real-time analysis of how well somebody is doing in their integration into the company. You do that in learning as um, testing and measuring uh, topic retention in relation to the changes that are going on in the job. And in workforce planning, what you do is use existing patterns to try to forecast what the workforce is going to look like five years from now. And so they're all statistical analyses that are highly automated and able to run because we've now got these huge quantities of data. Right. Now, one of the things that you say in the report is that intelligent tools uh, have morphed over the last year in a, in a pretty significant way, and that this morphing has changed the HR technology landscape. How so? Well, the first instances of these tools were full of the, the marketing, the marketing rhetoric associated with these tools was so intense and so provocative and so disturbingly off base that when people went to the market with these tools and early adopters purchased these tools and utilized them, the results were other than the marketing message suggested that they'd be. And so 
in the last year, what's happened is there's been a, a better realization of uh, what actually can be done and what the constraints are. It was the case, for instance, in the early days of intelligent tools that people went to market claiming that they could eliminate bias. And now only, only vendors who've had their head in the sand continue to make the claim that you can eliminate bias because bias is, is it, it, the, that's a very rich topic, but, but bias is embedded in every piece of data that you get. And so you can't really eliminate it. What you can do is understand it and work. Mm. And, and what, what's that mean for the people who are buying HR technology? I, I, you know, I think they think of it in a less sophisticated level in some ways than uh, vendors or, or analysts. As they're trying to make sense of the landscape, what should they be keeping in mind to, to keep that in perspective? Well, there's a really interesting thing. I've been, I have been uh, looking hard in, in the last month or so at the human tendency to believe that computers are more powerful than they are. And so anthropomorphization is the attributing of human characteristics to non-human uh, things like machines or animals. And people anthropomorphize about their tools. And so if the if the computer says something, it's widely understood that because it comes across from a computer, people give it more credibility. Mm -hmm. This is the foundation of the I heard it on the internet meme, which is um, somehow because it comes through a screen, it is more true. Um, when you have these intelligent tools, they are not really very sophisticated and they are particularly not very intelligent. There are single purpose analytical modules that are good at solving a particular problem in a particular way, but what they're going to give you is probabilistic information. And, and some probabilistic information is like casino odds. Um, uh, and with casino odds, um, if you get a blackjack hand and you hold at 16, um, you hold at 16 because the odds that you're going to draw a card that will break you are high, but the odds that you're going to win if you hold at 16 are relatively low. If you bet on holding at 16, you should be prepared to lose, even though that's the proper recommendation. Just like if you have a weather forecast and it says there's an 80% likelihood of rain today, it's a prudent idea to carry an umbrella, but the forecast wasn't wrong if it doesn't rain. And so consuming that kind of probabilistic information is the deepest difficulty that we're going to have with these new tools because the, the, um, the, the thing is going to say something like, well, Mark Pfeffer, there's an 80% chance that he's going to work out really well in this next job. And the problem is that it's not he's going to be able to do 80% of the job. It's that there's an 80% chance that he's going to work out well and a 20% chance that he's going to be a dismal failure. Mm -hmm. uh, right? And so if you go in and you say, oh, it's 80%, um, he's going to be a success. You're setting yourself up for a real problem. And what that turns out to be practically is that when the machine makes a recommendation, you always need to double check it and you always need to supplement it because the way that it works is 
the machine makes the recommendation, but the human being gets the responsibility for the decision. And so, so nobody's going to buy the second or third time you say, I made that mistake because the machine recommended it. Uh, that's, that's going to be not doing your job, even though the machine makes a recommendation. If you follow it and it's stupid, you're going to be held to task for it. Right. And my last question for you is, um, we've been talking about your conclusions from last year and in the landscape today, but what are you looking for this year? What, what are your expectations for the industry and the technology in 2020? Well, so I think this is where we're going to start the first conversations about the fact that every HR department needs an ethics organization. And every HR department needs an ethics organization because we're going to be installing tools in our companies without exactly knowing what they do. And these tools are going to have input into the lives and livelihoods of the human beings in our Mm-hmm. They're going to make recommendations about how to coach. They're going to make recommendations about how to um, improve performance. They're going to make recommendations about all sorts of things. Um, and what we don't have currently is a good way of thinking about what could go wrong. So when I say ethics, I don't mean uh, never take a coffee cup that's worth more than five bucks. I mean that you have to give solid discipline, you have to have a solid discipline process for anticipating what could go wrong and making decisions in light of what could go wrong. And you think, do you think that's going to gain real traction? I do. I do. I do. The, the, there, there's all sorts of signs. Accenture has opened a practice in the development of um, um, ethics committees inside of companies to handle AI, and the real meaty problem in AI is what happens in the HR department, and so it's going to be critical that the HR department takes a lead, and this is a this is an area that's adjacent to employment law, which just, so if law tells you what you can't do, um, ethics is about figuring out what the right thing to do is, and uh, AI is going to force us to look very carefully at what's the right thing to do. Well, John, thank you. It's uh, always a pleasure. Thanks, Mark. This has been People Tech from the HCM Technology Report. This edition was brought to you by Ultimate Software, a leading innovator in HR technology. Learn more about them at www.ultimatesoftware.com. And to keep up with HR technology, visit the HCM Technology Report every day. We're the most trusted source of news in the HR tech industry. Find us at www hcmtechnologyreport.com. I'm Mark Pfeffer. Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that asks you what you want to be when you grow up so you can graduate into retirement with a purpose and a passion, whether you're 25, 85, or any age in between. Gain actionable financial and mindset tips from your favorite authors, podcasters, and influencers to help you reach that exciting next chapter. Listen now and start building your path to financial freedom and reframing what retirement can mean to you. This is your host, Eric Brotman, reminding you, don't retire, graduate. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. 
I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.